0: Hello, I'm Pastor James Bifford, pastor at Bethel's Rock Church and I am so glad to have this opportunity uh, to spend with you today. Uh, We're in the middle of a series that we've called Divine Encounters and uh, we're really just kind of pulling out of uh, the great cloud of witnesses that is listed in Hebrews, um, a a different person through history, through biblical history that encountered God in a credible way. And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, each of us have a race that's been marked out for us. The the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, And there's so many people who have gone before us in the Bible, and in contemporary history, uh, that where we have seen people who have had divine encounters and done incredible divine things while they lived on earth. So the example of these great men and women in the Bible uh, are are really great examples that we can learn from and and we wanna talk about a little bit today. Now, I I remember when I was in college, um, I had this 65-gallon aquarium in our dorm room, And it was one of the more distracting things you could have in a dorm room because all these fish were swimming around. It was like they could look out into the world around them, but they couldn't really get there. And when when you were kind of sitting in the dorm room, you were kind of watching the fish from the outside. You were kind of like a great cloud of witnesses. And... There were certain fish that i liked better than other fish and and they would chase each other and there were a couple in there that would nip at the fins of the angelfish and 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 it was just kind of fun watching them chase each other and i i think even now today that there is a great cloud of witnesses watching us and even wanted to even wanting to inspire us to run this race Uh, with everything that we have, with uh, an attitude of being all in. And so I want to encourage you to join us. If you haven't watched these, you can watch uh, all the previous messages on Divine Encounters. And I think you'll be blessed uh, by the lessons we learn from each of these people. Now, today we're going to talk about the story of Jonah. And many of you probably have uh, know the story of Jonah. You know, if you grew up uh, during my at my time or a little bit after my time, uh, you saw Jonah and Veggie Tales, and and I think a lot of children during that period of time got their theology, a lot of their theology and stories from Veggie Tales. And the story of Jonah is pretty is an interest, interesting story, especially as a kid's story because. Um, it's a story of somebody being thrown overboard, over into the water off a boat in the middle of the storm and then swallowed by a fish. You know, it's kind of a scary story and in some ways can freak kids out when they're in water. But it is interesting because many people think, well, that's impossible. And yet, even this last week, um, it was on the news. I was thinking about who was going to talk about next. And I, I turned on the news in the morning and there was a A news uh, uh, reporter talking about a guy from Provincetown, Provincetown, uh, Cape Cod, and he was talking about how a lobster fisherman diver was at the bottom of the water and he got swallowed by a whale. Now to a CBSN Boston exclusive, a lobsterman says that he was swallowed up and spit out by a whale off of Provincetown. Provincetown fire officials tell us that the diver was 45 feet down when the whale grabbed him. The whale then surfaced and let that diver, Michael Packard, go. He was then pulled back onto his boat and brought to shore. CBSN Boston was the only camera there as the diver left the hospital. No one can tell the story like Michael himself. I'm a lobster diver out of Provincetown, Massachusetts. And uh diving today, I jumped over, and I got down to about 45 feet of water, and all of a sudden, I just felt this huge bump, and everything went dark, and I could sense that I was moving, and I was like, oh my God, did I just get bit by a shark? And then I felt around, and I realized there was no teeth. And I had felt really no great pain, and then I realized, oh my God, I'm in a whale's mouth. I'm in a whale's mouth. Now, he was only in the whale for about 30 seconds before the whale came to to the surface and spit him out. But I thought, man, okay, God, I'm going to be talking about Jonah this week. There, and, and so I researched it a little further and when I heard this story about this lobster diver, I thought, was there anyone else that had ever been swallowed by a fish? And guess what? James Bartley in 1891 was also swallowed by a whale. Uh, he was 21 years old. Um, they were out harpooning whales. Um, and they had hit a whale. The storm uh, that was going on while they were out fishing broke up the ship. Two of the sailors were rescued, and he was gone. Uh, When the the whale resurfaced that had been harpooned, they went to pull it in close, and when they did, they cut it open to see a boot and a leg stick out the side of the whale. (laughs) What was funny was... And it wasn't real funny, but what was interesting was, is when they cut it open, they found James Bartley still living. The digestive juices had eaten away some of his clothing, and it had permanently made him very pale in the skin. But they, the, he was still living when, when they found him and pulled him out. He was in the whale 15 hours. Now... I hope that you don't ever get caught in the belly of a whale and too many people get caught up in the in the whale part of this story that they really miss the real lesson and truth in the story. See, Jonah is known for his bad mistakes and messes. Sometimes those who mess up the worst can teach us the most. We can all identify with Jonah. In fact, that that we've all made choices in our life that have been bad decisions. Isn't that true? I think all of us can say that we've done some dumb things and made some messes in our life. You know, uh, like this picture of this car that's loaded with 3,000 pounds of building supplies. Uh, That, I think, was a bad decision. I think he should have probably paid the $80 delivery fee. Or how about this uh, picture of a couch being moved, you know, someone invited their friends over and said, Hey, I think it's a good idea. How about you stand down there and we'll drop this couch on your head? Or, or how about this one? Uh, a bunch of people in a pool charging their cell phone uh, with a power strip in the pool. Uh, human stupidity gone viral. Uh, you know, it makes for a brilliant organ donor. And, and here is another one that just is a bad decision. Uh, a tattoo that you, you just can't really believe that says, uh, no regrets. <laughs> I, I think that was supposed to be no regrets. We, we've all made bad decisions, and, and so we can relate with Jonah. I think that's what's so incredible about this is that even though you made bad mistakes, God still encounters us. He realizes, in fact, some of the dumb things we do, I think he even gets a chuckle out of sometimes uh, because we make mistakes. For when you've made bad choices, God always gives you a second chance. I love that about God, that he always gives us a second chance, a third chance and a fourth chance, that he's always willing to extend grace. So let's take a look at Jonah and the story of Jonah in Jonah 1, 1 through 5. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria in biblical times. Today, we would know it as northern Iraq. So he heads to Tarshish, which is to the, about to the uh, west, and when God had called them to go north to Nineveh. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and and not only does he just not go and stay where he's at, he takes off and goes in a completely different direction from where God is telling him to go. I mean, he made a point to say, I'm not going there. I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go there. The Assyrians were wicked people they would have been considered of the uh, at the same level of a terrorist. They would have ravaged the land of Israel. They would probably have stolen from people in Israel. They would have raped and killed people in Israel. And, and Jonah probably in most cases does not like the people of Nineveh. He, he most, more than likely wants nothing to do with them. And if anything, he's praying that God would take vengeance on them. But it's an interesting thing. God wants to forgive them. Wow. Jonah didn't really want God to forgive him. He wanted God to destroy them. And and yet, we want God to give us second chances. And a lot of times, we have a hard time when he gives others second chances. People we don't think deserve it. But this kind of God, our God, the God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth, has given you and me and everyone we know the opportunity to have a second chance. In Jonah 1.5 it says, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and he fell in a deep sleep. Isn't it interesting that every decision we make costs something and every wrong decision we make costs other people something? And the whole time Jonah's sleeping below deck It is interesting that people can be totally unconscious of the impact they're making with their bad decisions. Every decision we make carries with it an impact. Every decision we make in some way is making us or breaking us. The real question we have to ask ourselves is are we making decisions in our life that are causing us to draw closer to God or drawing us further away from God? That's the thing you have to ask yourself. Because when the storm comes and in the moment of crisis, what are you going to do? When, when you've made bad decisions, what is it that you're going to do? Because you, you have to know that even though it, you're going through the consequences of what you did and consequences of bad decisions you made, you have to know that God still wants to restore you and give you another shot. So how do you recover from bad choices? Well, first, you need to take responsibility for your bad choice. You know, Jonah confessed. He said, hey, guys, you need to throw me overboard. I'm the reason we're going through the storm. I messed up. It really is the first step. In verse 12, it says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He said, it's because of me. I want you to see this in Proverbs, because this is a great verse in Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen. It says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Thank God for second chances. Coach Wooden, who was a, uh, the coach of the UCLA men's basketball team, won many championships with them, said this. You are not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. Who are you blaming? What was your part in the bad decision? God is waiting at our point of crisis to rescue us. He loves us. He's waiting to bring in salvation into our life, to bring salvation to wherever we're at in life. But first we have to take responsibility for what we did. First we have to recognize that it is my fault that I am where I am at and stop blaming everyone else. And then we have to ask God to be our salvation to come and rescue us. Uh, Jesus validated this story when he said Jonah had to be in the fish for three days so the man, son of man must die and be in the grave th- for three days before he's resurrected. You see, Jesus didn't deserve to die. But he died, he took on the responsibility to rescue you. I'm telling you, Jesus has already brought salvation for your life, brought it to your life, and bought it for your life. But we have to receive it, and we do that by first taking responsibility. Second, repent and turn away from the bad choice you made. In in chapter 2, verse 9, it says, What I have vowed I will make good. In Acts 3, 19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, repentance or repent means to change the way you think or change the direction you're going. It's not saying, well, I'm sorry. Well, I, I feel glad that you're Sorry. But if you're going to repent, that's being apologetic. If you're gonna be repentant, you change the direction you go, you change the way you think. Bruce Wilkerson said it this way, repentance means you change your mind so it deeply changes you. Repentance is the catalyst of change. Jonah repented by turning his heart to Nineveh, which was the act of obedience he should have taken in the first place. You see, just because you disobeyed and made a mistake doesn't mean you should never go back and make right what you should have listened to in the first place. Yes, we're saved by grace, but obedience is better than sacrifice. Obey what God is calling you to do. This fish vomited up Jonah on dry land because the fish didn't want any other fish to taste the thing that he couldn't digest himself. That fish suffered because Jonah disobeyed. Everybody on that ship suffered because Jonah disobeyed. The people of Nineveh suffered because Jonah wanted to disobey. When you disobey God, people suffer. Creation suffers. We were created for purpose, we were created for vision, and we were created to obey our Creator. It's time to repent and come back to God. Here's the third thing we must do is embrace God's grace. Jonah 3.1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Isn't that amazing? God's grace, God's forgiveness, God has the ability to look beyond our faults and failures. In fact, God isn't even focusing on your mistakes and your message. God's not, he's not reliving your past. Why would he? It was painful enough the first time. Why would he want to watch it again? I'm reminded of the movie, Saving Private Ryan. I watched it the first time, it was a great movie, but I didn't want to watch it again. I didn't want to watch all the destruction. It just made me so uncomfortable the first time. It was great, it was wonder, learned a lot from it, but didn't want to watch it again. And I don't think God wants to relive your past every day. God has forgiven you. God has given you grace. It's time to stop reliving what has happened in your past. Jonah got up and he headed toward Nineveh. He embraced God's grace. He said, okay, I didn't do it, but we're going to start as if I had never taken the ride in the ship, as if I were still in Joppa, and we're going to go to Nineveh. Jonah did that. We have to embrace the grace of God. Your life is not over, it's just getting started. John Maxwell said, Grace always runs downhill. It met me when I was at the bottom and not at the top. Some, sometimes we underestimate the power of God's grace, his unmerited favor in our life. You know, many years ago there was a man sailing from west, the west coast of Africa to the islands of the Caribbean and he had a cargo full of slaves and a great storm came up on the seas that night and he knew he was going to die meanwhile his mother was back in England and she was praying for him back in England that somehow God would get a hold of him that he would see the truth of God and abandon the wickedness that he had turned his life to he had allowed greed to consume him And he knew in that moment that he and everyone on that ship was going to die. It was in that moment on the ship that he started to hear the sound of groanings below the deck. And as he looked in the face of death, he cried out to God, Oh God, have mercy on me. I'm a wretched man. It's amazing what people do when they face death. As he listened closer to the people, the men, women, and children that were shackled in the rooms below him, he was haunted by the singing of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. In the middle of a storm, John Newton fell to his face and gave his life to Christ. He was that slave ship's captain, and when he repented that night, God transformed him, and he pledged to join the battle to liberate the people that were in slavery. He fought the battle along the side of people like Wilberforce and Wesley until the British abolished slavery. God's grace can change a person. God's grace can change you, and it was God's grace that changed Jonah. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me give you two thoughts here. Don't let bad choices define you. Don't let bad choices define you. Don't allow your mistakes and failures to become your identity. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you are perfect in Christ. Don't let your mistakes shackle you. Secondly, don't let bad choices disqualify you. Well, I got a divorce or well, I made this mistake. Well, I stole. Well, I, well, I killed somebody. Well, I, was, I have a past in, with drugs and addiction. Don't let that disqualify you. Don't let the enemy disqualify you. Jonah could have continued to disobey God by allowing his mistakes to take him out. God wasn't looking at his past decisions, but as future ones. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I love what Warren Wiersbe says, The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you, and the power of God can't use you. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. So how do you safeguard against making bad choices? First, you have to use God's Word to guide you. you got to consume the Word of God. We're living in a culture and in a generation of Christians that have abandoned the Word of God because they don't believe the Bible and the Word of God has any impact in their life. Consistent consumption of the Word of God will prevent you from making bad decisions. It will guide us to God's best for our life. It will protect us. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It directs us. We need to learn how to study the Bible. There's a story of a man who decided that he was going to study the Bible, so he flipped open his Bible to Matthew 27, 7, and it said, Judas went out and hanged himself. Well, he didn't like that, so he thought, I'm going to try that again. He flipped over to Luke 10, 37, and it said, go do the same. Well, he was pretty rattled by that, so he turned to John 13, 27, and it said, and Jesus said, go and do it quickly. Now, be careful about randomly picking out verses. You won't know what will happen. But we need to be in the Bible. We need to study the Bible from cover to cover. Friend, I I pray, if you want to make better decisions, then you need to be in the Word of God because when the Word of God becomes a part of you, you will just start making wiser decisions. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Acknowledge, first of all, that He's there. The Holy Spirit is here right now. Ask Him for help. We need to acknowledge our need for the Holy Spirit. John sixteen thirteen says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Listen to God's voice. Know the difference between God's voice and the enemy's voice because there is a difference. There's a lot of people that claim they've heard from God, but they heard from the enemy. They didn't hear from God. There are a lot of people that claim they've heard from God, but they're just doing what they want to do. They got offended or they got hurt or they didn't want to be there. And, and so what they did was is they said, God gave me permission to leave. So God told me to do something and it doesn't line up with God's word. What you're hearing, what you're claiming is God's word must always line up with his word complete. The total uh, array of God's word. So there's some key questions you need to ask. Number one, are my choices God honoring? Number two, will this decision honor people? Number three, because if it doesn't honor people, it's not God. God is not, you want to take the truth of God's word and you want to pound people over the head with it. God doesn't want to do that. You want to go and yell at people and say, this is what we needed. You want to scream and yell and you want to preach God's word in a very vengeful way. God's not, God's, that's not how God's doing it. That's not how God relays his truth to us. God relays his truth through sacrifice, through the cross. He speaks it through life, S- third thing is, how will this affect my spiritual health? How will this decision expect, uh, affect my spiritual health? And then the fourth thing is, how will this decision affect the people closest to me? We need to distinguish between the difference, uh, the, we need to distinguish the difference between friends that we are on mission with and the friends we are on mission for. Some friends we're serving uh, the mission with We're going out and we're doing things with. Those are the people we can open up with. Those are the people we can be vulnerable. But then there are others that we're in mission for. And a lot of times we've allowed those friends to impact the decisions of our life. The closest friends you have will greatly impact your destination. Who are you spending most of your time with? Are they running hard after God? Are they passionate people? Are they excited about God? Do they make you, to, when, when you're with them, do they make you have to run faster to keep up in pursuing God? Are they pushing you toward God? Are they pulling you toward? What are those relationships uh, doing in your life? Or how are those relationships affecting your life and your relationship with God? And then here's the next thing. Seek godly counsel. Seek out mature men and women, seasoned, experienced, and wise people in your life. Proverbs 13:20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion, companion of fools suffers harm. James Hudson Taylor said, God always gives his very best to those who leave the choice with him. God always gives his very best to those who leave the choice with him. God has his best for each of us in mind. You know, the life in a whale. When you're in a whale, when you're in, the decision of a, and, and when you're in the place of a bad decision, when you're living a life in a whale, there's only one thing you can do. Because you, it stinks, it's dark, it's so tight, it feels uncomfortable, you're constricted, you don't feel like you have any control because the consequences of your bad decisions. When you're living a life in a whale, you start by crying out to God. That's what I want to encourage you today. To do if you're living a life of where you're living in the consequences of bad decisions and you've made bad decisions throughout your life, I want to encourage you to do what Jonah did when he was in the whale. Well. Cry out to God. It really is all you have. It's the only thing you can do is to cry out to God and know that God will hear you. So right now I want to ask. For you, if you've made a bad decision, you made, you're you living in the mess. You're living in the whale right now. Why don't you call out to God right now, and I think he'll answer you, and I think he'll show up, and I think that whale you're living in might also spit you out of its mouth as well. Father, right now, thank you for being a God of second chances, that you aren't done with us, that you haven't discarded us because we said one thing wrong or we made a bad decision or we made a serious a seriously bad decision, and we're living in a mess. God, thank you that you can make the whale we're living in spit us out. So, Lord, I pray that this arena or place that we're in that stinks, that's dark, that's depressing, that's constricting. Lord God, I pray that you would just cause it to spit us out, that we may fulfill what you truly created us for. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any questions about what I've talked about, please contact our campus pastor, Alex Preston. Uh, you can email us below at this, at this email address. We would love to talk to you and be a part of what's going on in your life. God bless you, and I pray that God will uh, bless every part of your life, bless your family, bless your children, bless what you do, and bless your future. God bless you.